0: Hey, you're listening to Lit After Dark, the podcast where three English teachers nerd out while they analyze Netflix's Dark. This week, we watched Season 3, Episode 4, The Origin. We learned that Trant is probably the son of Agnes and the three who are one, and watched some of his early relationship with Yana. Doris decides to end her marriage to Egon after we learn that Hannah is pregnant with Egon's child. Hannah decides to keep it. And Jonas and young Alt-Martha talk to adult Alt-Martha about what they need to do to avoid the apocalypse. They end up having sex, but it is all a part of a plan that Noah is involved in. All that, plus our analytical takes, on this episode of Lit After Dark. You know what else would be a good topic? Both of you could tell me the progress that you're making on your manuscripts. <laughs> Jen takes a long pensive drink, as does Josh. Jen, I'm telling you, Prophecy, a Tommy Mathis original, is waiting for you. That's the title of the story I
1: wrote.
2: I do want to read that. I really do. It's put
0: together with individual ring clips. Oh, I don't know if you noticed that. I think I um I think I soaked the paper in coffee and then like burned the edges also. No.
2: That's such a cliche thing to do.
0: Uh, I was 15.
2: Precisely my point.
0: Ouch. Oh. I remember doing that in middle school. Exactly.
1: History project.
0: Wow. I have never been the writer of the group. <laughs> I'm the Matthew Arnold of the three of us. Oh, deep cut English reference, baby. <laughs> Somebody top that. I don't
1: Matthew, Arnold, <laughs> Matthew Arnold. reference.
0: Matthew Arnold wrote about how there are cycles of creation and criticism and he lamented that he was part of the criticism part and not the actual creation part although he did write poetry you might have uh, read cliffs of dover is a poem by him but mostly he wrote a lot about literary criticism and he wrote a lot about how literature was about sweetness and light and creation was a lot of the sweetness and the light was what critics like brought to it and helped reveal you know the truth of it and stuff Anyway, I'm the Matthew Arnold to your actual (laughs) creative people. (laughs) Uh, Hey, everyone. This voice that you're listening to is Tommy. And this is Josh. And I'm Jen. And welcome to season three, episode four of this podcast that you've been listening to now for probably a while. We are nearing the end here. Friends and possibly family. And I would just like to extend an offer to you. We say it at the end of every episode. If you have any questions that you want to ask, anything that you are curious about that we don't cover, please feel free to send us an email. And we are considering doing like an additional episode at the end after the finale in case there is interest. And if there's not, that's also fine because. Life is a nightmare and we have so much to plan for. But this could be a fun diversion. So if you have some questions or some cool lit 101's that you want to share with us that you want broadcasted out on our enormous platform here, then send us an email at lit after dark pod at gmail.com and yeah, we'll talk about it. Do you guys have anything to add in terms of encouragements?
1: Yeah, and if you do, please do. But if you do, let us know that it is to be read once we're done. Because if you have like a lit 101 that covers Ooh, yeah. the end of episode Ooh. eight, Keep it spoiler make fruit. sure in the subject line, we we should Yeah, have let's like, say
0: subject line after you've watched the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. After you've watched it like that. Post
0: post finale, <laughs> after you've watched, something
1: like that. Mm-hmm. Just be clear. <laughs> <laughs> We've been avoiding so much. It would be really
0: disappointing to trip at the finish line there. <laughs> And yeah, we are all watching it for the first time. Perhaps you are doing that with us. And this is a spoiler-free podcast, as you know, up through this current episode. And we always open each episode with Lit Takes. Lit Takes is where we talk about the episode specifically through the experiences of particular characters. So it's a little bit chronological, a little bit not. And we kind of put in character analysis, sound analysis, all sorts of things. And we are using our English skills to dig into dark. So the episode opens with the three who are one, or as Josh very flippantly refers to them as, the triplets. I hate that.
1: (laughs) So the reason why I call them the triplets is because there's another show on Netflix that deals with time travel, and there are three brothers that are Swedish that are the antagonistic group. And it's so weird that there's another show about time travel that They use briefcases to try and travel, and there's three guys that are the bad guys, and it's just, there's too many coincidences. It's called Umbrella Academy. It's weird. It's not that great.
2: Uh, oh, <laughs> huh. I was not expecting you to say that. Okay.
1: It's like a much worse version.
0: <laughs> oh, man. We're going to get a lot of Umbrella Academy <laughs> fanboy hate on this episode.
1: Fanboy. I mean, it's uh, it's okay. It's like dark with superheroes, so, meh. <laughs> yeah, so
0: in what is becoming a very regular experience, the three who are one are the creepiest. Mm-hmm. He's definitely Tron's father, right? That's what I presume. Yeah. Who did we see earlier with that snake bangle?
1: We saw Yana with it.
0: Okay, it definitely was
1: Yana. That's okay. what I thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: And we talked about how it was kind of Ouroboros-y. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, like, makes a lot of sense now. We thought that Charlotte and Elizabeth was crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Strap in. (laughs) I'm having a hard time nailing down Trant's character here, Uh, especially reconciling his adult self with his childhood self and just trying to, like, what would you say? This episode, we get a lot of Mm Trant. Can you help me unpack his character here? Because that's kind of what I'm having trouble with. Like, I feel like obvious direction is he is dealing with abuse and kind of working through that in his own kind of weird way. I guess specifically, I don't understand how he's relating to Claudia and Yana.
1: Yeah, there were some points where I, and it might have been a young actor trying to do something that I wasn't understanding, but... The way that he was talking to both Yana and Claudia seemed very strange. And specifically later when he's talking to Yana and then Claudia walks up and grabs his hand and he's like, I'll see you later, maybe. Like the way that he was (laughs) looking at her and talking to her.
0: Well, it almost felt like a weird reversal of his adult life.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes. But I also, I'm... (laughs) I don't ever, well, I guess I didn't feel like it was weird. I am basing it on the interaction that we see between Claudia, Yana, and Inez later. Because I drew some conclusions about each of their characters. So I could see where Trant is. There's probably, I assume, especially because I have some thoughts on Claudia in general from this episode is in some ways controlled by Claudia. I think of his mom missing and living with the Dopplers or Dopplers. No, Tiedemanns. Sorry.
0: The Tiedemanns. Um,
2: And what that dynamic might be like for him. That's three months now that he's been living with his family and uh, weird dynamics going on. Mom is. Do you think he means it?
0: When he says that he doesn't care that his mom is gone and he doesn't care if the three hero one are his father. Or is that just kind of like a an
1: adolescent wall he's throwing up? I think he thinks he means it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a defense he's mechanism.
1: But no.
2: He's too young to To dig deeper
0: under that he wouldn't actually. Let's keep talking about all the kids. I feel like that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, Jen, you said that you came to some conclusions about all their characters when they were, like, looking at the nudie mag.
2: (sighs) That scene enraged me. Okay, so in full disclosure... Rage? Oh, I had a lot of weird feelings stirred up by this episode. But when I said I watched episode four, I should have clarified that I think I slept through bits and pieces of it. (laughs) Because there were definitely things that I was like, wait, What? But then there were other things that I'm like, oh, yeah, I already saw this. So I think I was just, like, sleeping, waking up and sleeping. I don't know what was going on. But um, that scene, when all three of them are out there looking at the girly magazine, it was so, like, I know this is 1954 or whatever, but the conversation was enlightening to me of, like, Claudia and Inez are trash. Like, they're horrible people. (laughs) And sweet Yana is like trying to protect her innocence, but also in her own way, be like, oh, we shouldn't be subjecting women to this, whatever, or be like glorifying it. And then even.
0: (sighs) Yeah, this was just a weird, a weird scene that kept establishing. I mean, it made it helped establish more Claudia's choice at the end of the episode.
2: Yeah, it felt purposeful. I think the revelations, um, I will maybe unpack a little bit more in my Lit 101.
1: Okay. To me, it also helped unpack thinking about Yana and Trond and Claudia later, yeah. especially thinking about the funeral that they have for Mads, mm. just kind of that there is- A lot of history. So There's decades of baggage with this- you know
0: they're i mean they're very auric and hannah Uh like it's it's just very much the same auric katarina hannah yeah although it doesn't seem like at least at this point auric and hannah ever actually did anything until that one night in the rain that we saw seems that way but we don't know i guess yeah i think another thing that was weird to me was all of Tron's interactions with yana And how they seem to be setting up her as like this real connection, which is why they ultimately get married. Whereas Claudia, you know, says you look a lot like James Dean from Rebel Without a Cause and you're so cute (laughs) or whatever. And Yana, it like gets these stories about how he got cigarette burns on his arms and he doesn't care if his mom is gone. And he out of nowhere says, you have a nice smile. Like it just, it was just. I don't know my thoughts about it, but it was just a lot.
2: I did think, though, I don't know why you are reading this as strange or weird. I just felt like it was an authentic evolution of them, their walls coming down and her being like a safe person. And even when she smiled, I literally thought that before he said it. I'm like, oh, she's like letting him see her real because she had been so stoic almost before. So I definitely
1: I definitely feel like from Yana's perspective, I feel like everything that she is giving is genuine, Mm -hmm. but I have a hard time reading Trant. He's, and it might be the acting, it might be just kind of where he's at in life, but he just seems like a strain, in a strange place.
0: I think I read it as weird because there wasn't background for it for me. We've seen a little bit of interaction between them, but not very much. And I just didn't know why this was the moment That he opened up and maybe the interaction with the three who are one made him a little bit more vulnerable. Mm. So I'm not saying that it was bad or out of place. I'm just, I'm struggling to understand Trant as a character and a lot of these younger 50s kids as characters. I just, because we don't have as much time with them as we have with all the other versions,
1: I think.
2: Yeah. And I think we're letting their adult selves maybe define them a little bit too.
1: Yeah. Did you guys find it interesting that he was talking about, I love this place, it's so desolate? Yeah. <laughs> the word choice was interesting.
0: I didn't, usually I do this. I When I find an interesting word, I usually try to translate the actual yeah. German caption that they give us.
1: To me, it almost spoke to him living in a home for a while with mm. lots of people. Yeah, liking to yeah.
0: be in isolation.
1: be in yeah, yeah.
0: Welcome to 2020, Trunt. that's gonna read that that joke will last this won't date that podcast at all
1: not at all well tron we know he survives the apocalypse so yeah through it i mean
0: uh, jen what you brought up earlier about claudia like coming and like grabbing his hand like very territorially i think super relates to what bernd told claudia right about just taking what you want Mm. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good read. Yeah. So it feels like that's why she made that choice. And I wonder what happened between their really young selves and power plant, Claudia, that made her the one who cut it off.
2: Yeah. Side note, I meant to ask this before we started recording, because I don't know if it should be in the recording. Did we decide definitively that Trant is the father of Regina? Like, is that a thing?
1: That seems to be implied. I am assuming that. Okay. So the way that I read that, the Claudia kind of cutting it off, to me was more a reaction to Mad's disappearance. Mm. Where, Mm -hmm. and, and this could be a wrong read, but it might be just like, no, you focus on your family and she needs to focus on her job.
2: And then, not So she's kind of the anti-Hannah.
1: Yeah. But I don't know if that's accurate. It's just a, a theory that I had.
0: This episode did not do anything for my feelings about Hannah, by the way. Really?
2: I'm surprised by that, actually.
0: Oh, oh she was right? sort of nice to a little girl. It's Congratulations. That. Ooh, no, you're such no, no, a no, jackass.
2: No, 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 no. <laughs> it's
0: so different from I'm that. really leaning into it. I just... I... <laughs>
1: I think I think I I took a very feminist perspective. My on blood is boiling Hannah right in now. This.
0: <laughs> I mean, Egon's an absolute tool in this episode.
1: Ah, oh, yeah, it's so disappointing.
0: It really is. Well, okay, let's let's move to that. Let's move to Egon and Hannah. They have in <laughs> a scene that shaking is shaking your head. <laughs> Very reminiscent of the opening scene of the entire series. Uh, Hannah and Egon have sex. And unprompted,
1: Egon (laughs) says,
0: I love you. And it really takes Hannah off guard.
1: Yeah.
2: Do you think Michael ever said that? (laughs) He seemed so like timid and mild mannered that I just wonder if he was ever like, I love you, Hannah. He must have.
1: Yeah.
0: Over the course of, what, at least 17 years of marriage?
2: I'm just, I'm saying, I don't know. Hannah
0: it's is really- going to
1: be a pretty rough marriage if it's never said. Yeah. I, I,
2: in defense
0: of Hannah, which I'm loath to say, <laughs> she has experienced a lot of pain in her life. That is not her fault. But she's also experienced a lot of pain in her life that is her fault.
2: She also declared later in the episode, hell is what we make for ourselves. So she, I feel like, is taking ownership over some of her-
0: Interesting. I didn't read that as taking ownership.
2: I did.
1: To me, her whole arc here of rejecting everyone and even rejecting Egon's money of like, this is what you're going to do. She says, I'm not going to keep it. But her just saying like, no, I am going to keep it. She's making a choice for herself. Mm -hmm. And then she's just completely abandoning all men (laughs) and saying like, I don't need you anymore. It didn't. Redeem at all, but it was just like okay, Hannah.
2: It's another layer to a very nuanced character.
1: <laughs> well let's
0: yes. let's back up a little bit and really really discuss her whole yes. story here. I feel like we're we're skipping a lot. So mm-hmm. this is a big Hannah episode, and what do you think Hannah wants out of Egon?
2: Attention. Which is what so, she wants from every man. So
0: she's just like a tourist in the fifties.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Okay. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I'm just am wondering. It does seem to physically injure her. Like, she almost physically recoils when he calls her Katerina.
2: Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> and
0: gives her the St. Christopher medallion. And I mean, it's just like, even when she has tried to create a new life for herself and create a new identity, she's still inevitably, unendingly tied to Katerina and unable mm-hmm. to, like, shake that shadow which is very sad she chose that she did but for me it's just sad because she chose it specifically i think to see auric because she didn't know if he would have said that my wife's name is katarina and so it was it was just in that way and so i'm just it the unending influence of katarina on her life is just so obvious and present to me Everything that makes you feel sympathy for her, I don't see. And everything that makes me feel sympathy for her, you are clueless about. I was surprised crazy. by
2: this. Also, can we just talk about how weird it is that he gives her the St. Christopher's medal? Like, So this that is, is the
1: origin point, right?
2: Yeah. It's interesting in that regard and how it ends up in...
1: Unless he found it somewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's got to go from Egon to Hannah to Helene. Yeah. Helene? Helena? Helene. 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 And then, question mark, question mark, question mark, lands on the beach of the lake, and yeah. Jonas picks it up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then goes to Martha, then back to him.
0: <laughs> and then back to Martha.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just all over the place.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, she's pregnant, she discovers. So, yeah, he gives her that necklace, and... I don't know. Her reaction to receiving it was kind of weird. It's also weird to me that she doesn't seem to have any sort of care or desire for what effect she might be having in the future by living in the past. She knows who Egon Tiedemann is. She knows.
2: Yeah, but I could see not thinking through the implications of that.
1: Yeah. Also, do you guys find it weird that he is giving his lover a religious saint necklace thank you that's that what my strange? point was Like
2: that was the weirdest gift ever <laughs> it was so strange but he's also hmm. so strange So, Watch, so watching weird. over
0: travelers it's kind of an oddly sweet naive thing to give to your mistress
2: I mean that's kind of like a romantic sure. moment I'm like uh, I don't get it
0: it also just strikes me sorry another reason that I don't like Hannah is Ulrich <sighs> is still languishing in jail right now
2: <laughs> uh, we've forgotten about him
1: well, she has, for sure.
0: <laughs> anyway, so Egon goes to work after this, much like Auric going back to his house, and Doris is waiting in his office, She's <laughs> very surprised by. We learn that she has been lied to, and he said that he had to do some reports. And then he just transforms into this, I would say, this scene and then the scene where Hannah tells him that she's pregnant is a hugely transformative moment for Egon. Yeah. That he makes this mistake and then tries to step back from by bringing Doris flowers and like tries to erase it, but then realizes, of course, he's gone too far. Like this isn't something that you can just scoot back and say, oops, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah.
1: You know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of Defensive Peter, where he has done something wrong Mm. and he was kind of like, oh, well, you're this way. Like he kind of takes it back to Doris and both to Hannah in different ways. Dude, I mean-
0: it's hard if he thinks that something is going on between doris and agnes of course he's not going to be kind to doris when she's like trying to look for her but also just to say who knows what goes on inside the heads of you women
1: (laughs) (sighs) Uh.
2: (laughs) and also egon proves himself through every time period that we've seen him to be a really terrible detective i don't know what's his role (laughs) yeah it's a really bad job go on i just feel like every missing person i get why but it also seems like he's negligent in his job or just not really doing it i don't know maybe it's just the way he's painted by these characters responses to him but
0: i think this moment where he ignores the monogrammed handkerchief it's specifically because he is hurt that his wife cares more about Agnes than him.
2: I get it, but he also has a job to do.
0: Well, but he's also a person. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I guess I just want to like Egon for some reason.
1: In his defense, all the people who he's trying to find have disappeared to a different time. Uh, yes, so, so I do understand
2: <laughs> that. It just also seems like he doesn't. Yeah,
0: but Jen's point is like... Yeah. His wife brings up a very... Legitimate lead. Like, that's mm-hmm. a very legitimate thing to pay attention to. Yeah.
2: Just saying.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It just... It hurts that we've gotten such this good picture of Egon, and it's really hard for me not to blame Hannah for his sudden turn to this... I don't want to say monstrous, but, like, at least hyper-stereotypical 50s dude. Like, he wasn't that for so long.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And Hannah gets put in the picture and suddenly he is. And yes, Doris is cheating on him. Absolutely. But I just, I can't help, but feel so much sympathy for Egon because it feels like there are so many things happening that are outside of his control. It's like that HG house line where he said, I'm a part of a puzzle that I can neither understand nor influence. And I feel like that's Egon so much. So much is just out of his control. Did he make mistakes? Absolutely. He chose to be with Hannah for sure. But there are so many other things going on in his life that I'm just so drawn to defending him.
2: That's so interesting. I see him as totally not resilient, totally a victim of his circumstances. Like he is seen to me as so weak and not that I I despise him, but I'm just like, ew, I can't even feel sorry for you. You're making choices that are really terrible.
0: Yeah, you know what? That's it. It's pity. I just feel pity. Maybe mm. it's not Helg levels,
1: but it's close.
2: Oh,
0: I mean the level <laughs> of fear that he exhibits when Doppler comes in.
2: So strange. Also, holy
0: <laughs> lord, she's terrifying in this episode.
2: <laughs> I freaking love her.
0: <laughs> she's so great.
2: I love how I'm much not she about loves my son. Noah. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Also, I want to say that, Josh, you might be right. There may have been some seduction. Josh is happening so right. There.
2: This is very true.
0: <laughs> Thank you. The <laughs> level of a rage when he was like, you know, if Helga doesn't mention it, and she was just, oh, oh, <laughs> what are you even? Don't mention my son to me.
1: And he brought up another woman.
0: <laughs> that was hurting her the most, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to to get back to, to Egon, when I will agree, there was a little bit of a good powerful woman moment with Hannah when he was like, are you sure I'm the father? Also, like, what do you think he meant by I thought you were being careful? What did that even, what does that mean? In the
1: 50s. <laughs> <laughs> is that like, what? what is it, like, family planning? What, is that what they call it?
0: <laughs> oh, like. She was, like, timing her cycle?
1: <laughs> this is beyond my knowledge and experience.
0: <laughs> well, you have a child.
2: I also exactly. wondered if that was purposeful on her part, to a degree.
0: Oh, like she wanted? She I seemed it, very unhappy about it. it
2: seems like that, but I felt like... This is something that she could do to trap a man.
0: She does not seem to want to trap Egon.
2: I think she would have accepted it, but based on...
0: Based on his reaction? Yeah. Ooh, like, ooh, like, maybe this is finally a person who can love me. And that's part of why she was so angry?
2: Yes, because then she turns on, and you're just like every other scumbag. And how am I... Oh, man.
0: Dude, her speech is... It's... I don't like Hannah, but I like that speech. (laughs) It's a good speech. (laughs) And I also, I have a soft spot in my heart for powerful women uh, monologues. I don't know if it's because I have a daughter, but I loved it where she was like, what do you think I do? Like, you are all (laughs) the same. You just eat and you take everything and that's it. It And you think
1: you're God. I love that. I thought was so good. (laughs) She doesn't need no man. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and we just see this descent of Egon into who he (laughs) will become in the 80s, really.
1: (laughs) The Egon we know.
0: And this this makes it much clearer why Claudia didn't have a good relationship with him. Because if this is the Egon that he became, just wordlessly drinking and spouting off weird lines about how the heart works, then it makes a lot of sense.
1: Okay, Backing up, because maybe we'll get to this later. But when Doris is talking to the triplets, yeah, <laughs> and, and sorry, I to,
2: just can't not that, laugh when you say that.
1: When Doris is talking to the three unknown, I have a hard time because later then she's like, "You've been with that woman. How does she? How does she know so much? Does she just trust this guy because he's in a church?" That was a little bit of a disconnect. Well, for he me. also
0: fully reads her.
1: You yeah. don't care about the boy. You care yeah. about the woman.
2: Holy, yeah.
0: I can't imagine the f- terror of that situation. The utter, oh, yeah. just pants weddingly terrifying <laughs> situation. <laughs> I don't know why she doesn't leave earlier. The second a little boy and an old man surround me on my back, I'm like, never mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: You're afraid of an old man and a child.
1: Why are you reaching into your coat? I'm backing away.
2: (laughs) I did expect them to take her out there, but hey, some people can escape that.
1: Well, that's my thought is because in my mind, if she is leaving, it seems strange for Claudia to stay with drunk Egon. What happens to her? I almost thought that she would die in this episode because we know nothing of her past this point because we initially thought that she was leaving with Agnes. Yeah, that's true. Kind of just.
0: Oh, man. And just thinking Maybe. more about Egon saying your mother would be so proud of you mm. the day where she lets him die. Yeah. Not all human connections are formed out of fondness was a creepy line that he said in the that church. That was a
2: cool line. I liked that line. I don't know why, yeah. but there's something about the things that the unknown says that unlike Adam or... uh noah or whatever i find that his liners are really good <laughs> even though he's probably more sinister than anyone else
0: yeah his character is really weird I, my lit 101 is kind of about that so i want to touch on that a little bit later
1: he almost seems like a voice box for the writers
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah i just also want to know like how does this advance their goal his goal Alt-Martha's goal, splitting up Egon and Doris, what does that get them?
1: Just keeps things away it's supposed to be.
0: That feels like kinda of like a cop out answer. Yeah.
1: But I
2: also feel I couldn't like think of anything else. It though. keeps I don't know what happens to Doris, obviously, but for Egon to turn to the bottle so aggressively, I feel like it's just a good distraction for him that he's gonna be lost. He
0: empties that bottle, by the way. It is I would be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that I wanted to say is about how I didn't say it. Maybe it doesn't make sense to put it in now, but when Hannah's talking about how she realizes that she doesn't need anybody, she's echoing what the stranger says when he learns and when he learns of her affair and she's like almost like taking that as a mantle a freedom for herself.
2: Oh, that's an interesting way of putting it. I know, because that could seem like such a cutting statement when the stranger says it to her, but...
0: I think in that moment it definitely was.
2: Yeah, but I could see how you could turn that into like... Like Josh said, I don't need no man. I got this. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's
0: plenty of examples in literature. It makes me think of The Invisible Man... Not the Invisible Man, just Invisible Man by (laughs) Ralph Ellison, not Mm -hmm. H.G. Wells. And how he at first is really upset that nobody sees him, but then he starts to use that to his advantage and kind of takes it as his own, I don't know, power. Do you guys have anything else to say about Hannah's interaction with
1: Helene? It definitely seems like the name Katerina was bootstrapped there, Mm -hmm. for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. I also wondered, and this might be too far reaching, but because of the comment made by Egon to um, Hannah about Daniel telling him this is a woman who can, the Obendorf can handle this issue when he puts the money on the table, it made me wonder (laughs) if... This girl was impregnated by Daniel. There's so much overlap between these families, and mm. I don't know. He's super creepy.
0: <laughs> I didn't think Daniel, I thought that she was definitely, I mean, this she's so little. She's definitely, it's so creepy. <laughs> I guess I even worse assumed that it was just her father abusing her. Oh, wow.
2: But there's a threat of abuse in their family, so that could be too. She's such
0: a sweet little girl, and to see that transformation into such an embittered old woman, I mean, I guess in the same way as Greta staring at Helga, constantly, daily reminded by Katarina's existence, if Katarina was not a child she wanted,
1: hmm.
0: of, I don't know, the past, drama, hurt.
1: Did you, did you guys think, like, it was weird that it was Obendorf?
2: Yes. <laughs> Just I mean, it felt like
0: a. Everything's well, connected. Yeah.
1: Well, specifically because I feel like they just arrived. Like I feel like they talk about how they they just came into town. No, Killian maybe... just
0: came into town.
2: But it's
1: okay. So f- it wasn't the whole family.
2: So a family who has a history now of illegal, yeah, participation. Whatever you want to call it. So.
0: Uh. Yeah. I mentioned this before about what Hannah says about making hell on Earth, which Jenny brought up, which is William Blake. I brought this up before about how he had this whole system where essentially there is no such thing as an afterlife and we create heaven and hell for ourselves here on Earth. Author of Songs of Innocence and Experience. You might have read his poem Tiger in your English class. Just letting you know. Tiger with a Y. With a Y. I hate it. I hate William Blake. Actually, I don't like him at all.
1: I don't get that. You don't get what? Like, your hatred of William Blake. I so know about this.
0: I think it's because I had a professor who was like, so William Blake. And it just always felt like a lot of reaching to me. His poems are so simple. And I get that yeah. simplicity can lead to complexity. But some of the things that my English professor would glean out of these, and he was like, oh, and then you can't forget the plates. He, he engraved these plates, and oh, their colors, and it's, it's so meaningful.
1: I don't know. I would agree that the plates are not impressive, <laughs> at least to me at this time. <laughs>
0: I don't know if our audience needs my hot takes about <laughs> poet William Blake, but... <laughs>
1: Blake cast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is this is now going to be a history of british literature class welcome (laughs) very excited yeah well that's it except we haven't specifically talked about
1: the ways of the heart cannot be explained it does what it wants
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) i very adam very adam very tommy i don't like it (laughs) it just feels like it just negates responsibility 100% agree It's just like, oh, the heart wants what it wants. Mm. I don't feel like they're using it in that way.
2: It's a very repeated line in this episode, though, so I felt like it was really.
1: (laughs) Yeah, said three times, I believe. Which is a
0: lot. It's just kind of a folksier way, I feel like, of saying a man can do what he wills, but he cannot will what he wills, which is that Schopenhauer line that season three opened with.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I,
0: I mean, I get what you're saying in terms of I still have such a hard time believing that you can't agree with me, that you cannot choose who you love. I agree with you that even if the heart wants something, you can actively choose to do something about it or not. Egon is definitely at fault for not choosing to ignore whatever feelings he had for Hannah because he was being ignored by his probably lesbian wife at home. Like, I get that. He could have chosen to stick to his marriage vows, and that does not negate that responsibility. But he can't help being
1: attracted to her. I, my specific issue with it is not on a philosophical level, but more on its usage in this context, in this episode. Where it's just like, well, the heart wants what it wants. This is the way things are. Your marriage is done. Where it feels dismissive Mm -hmm. to me. And I think that the man cannot will what he wills. That, to me, is almost a different discussion. And it's not necessarily the philosophical concept that I disagree with, although I do. But it is more (laughs) the just flippant, just dismissive nature of just, you know what? This is what it is.
0: Yeah, but I think that he was purposefully trying to speak to something that she already felt to get her to act.
1: I agree. So I I don't know that this is
0: necessarily supposed to be a statement of capital T truth. I think that this was specifically meant to manipulate Doris into action.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's more her usage and his usage where it's just like, this is what it is. This is our fate. There's no way to change this.
0: I mean, given the rest of the show, she might be right. Is there a way to change anything?
1: Yeah, according to the show. But we'll see. Maybe.
0: We'll see. We seem to have found the origin. There are so many teases about what the actual origin might be, and I'm still not even sure that it's the real origin. Let's move on to... I feel like we kind of really... We buried the lead in this episode. We saved some of the heaviest hitting (laughs) stuff for the very end. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's move to Jonas, then. We'll get into the Mm -hmm. meat of our episode about 45 minutes into the podcast. So Jonas is in Alt November 6th, 2052, in the bunker with adult Alt Martha, who seems not like the Martha we know. Mm -mm. Not like the young Martha we know, and certainly not like old Martha, She's kind of a mess. I feel like even before we get the reveal that Noah is kind of pulling her strings.
1: Hmm. I didn't get the pulling the strings vibe, but I see where you're going.
0: I just She's she, there,
1: yeah, complicit,
0: yeah. He, they just kind of talk. Jonas is very passive in this. Scene. He annoyed me. <laughs> he, he seemed to just kind of be letting Martha go through it.
1: Yeah. It very much felt like, I know, I've been through this. Yeah, maybe. I'm very experienced. And I hate (laughs) to use the same reference again, but very sophomoric. Just like, (laughs) I know about this.
0: And again, we get an older version of a character manipulating a younger version into something that is probably objectively bad for them, but leads them to where they are today. We've seen this several times with Jonas and Noah, where they force their younger selves into, I don't know, certainly with the stranger and Jonas into a bad position Mm -hmm. so that they could become who they are today. And alt-adult Martha is definitely leading Martha, the younger version, to have sex with Jonas. Like, she obviously knows what's going to happen. And so she knows that sending her back home in the way that she did leads to them having sex. I will say that alt-adult Martha also seems to really slip into the same sort of manipulation tactics against Jonas specifically, as we have seen before, except now focused on Mikkel instead of just Martha. She does lean on that later, and she says, you know, you two are not impossible in this world. Like, you can exist here.
1: To me, which seems a really weird thing for her to say because they must have a discussion later about how, like, we should be impossible, we're impossible, where I in my world. Because why would she know that unless they've had that discussion?
0: Well, and it keeping in mind what old Alt Martha says about he will never stop fighting for his Martha mm-hmm. means that. I mean, that's why he ultimately becomes Adam, I guess, is he doesn't stay with Alt-Martha.
1: Do you guys believe, well, I don't believe anyone really. Yeah. But (laughs) where she basically says, we cannot save both worlds. We either have to choose one or the other.
2: I feel like everything is constant deception. Yeah, so, that's the yeah. struggle.
0: That's the struggle with the alt world is I feel like I never know when anyone's actually telling the truth.
2: No. And it's so weird. I think there's so much more to this than we are privy to at this point. And Jonas
0: eats it all up. That's like what he kills He believes me. every person every time.
2: But if he's Adam and if we're making any biblical allusion to this, then okay. <laughs> like that's That's what you're supposed to do, I guess. You're just supposed to believe whatever anybody tells you. I don't
0: know. But he's Jonas. He's not Adam. So but is he, he in the belly of the again. whale right now? Like, is Yes, that... obviously. What's his Nineveh? Winden? Obviously. <laughs> don't what else obviously It could be Munich. <laughs> it's the first city in Germany that came to mind. Came to mind. Frankfurt. Um,
1: yeah. Okay, so since we have a Triad now we have Alt Martha, we have Adam, and we have Claudia who is now deceased. It seems like it seems like Adam may want to do not I don't I don't know what people want anymore. It seems like Adam wanted to get rid of everything. And well, Claudia and wanted if to save.
0: Adam realizes that if he's telling Alt Martha the truth, yeah. that the origin is the child who is apparently in her womb at that moment, which She's we'll tired. talk about. Yeah. Then couldn't he just kill her?
1: Yeah, so it doesn't seem like he wants to destroy everything.
0: Unless that's not actually the origin.
2: Hmm. Remind me, what does Claudia want?
0: <laughs> she said she wanted to like make a new world, essentially.
2: There's something to me that feels like she is the... I mean, we called her the White Devil, right? She's the White Devil, that she is at play in both of these worlds, and her she's manipulating her both, Martha, Eva, Adam, Jonas, whatever, to get what she wants.
0: Yeah, we haven't seen much of her in this reality.
1: But I do feel like her goal is to save both timelines. Yeah. Where we know... Well, Eva has said that she wants to just save her timeline.
0: Right. Jonah and – Jonah. Jonas and Martha, I do by connecting. I mean, they've gone through such crazy things that are so similar. It seems very obvious to me that they would cling to one another in their bizarre experiences. You don't agree. No. That's the relationship I believe the most
2: not this current one.
1: To, to me specifically, I didn't buy their connection in her room at uh-uh.
2: all. That felt manipulated. <laughs> and
1: con- by Jonas?
2: No, like conceived of a seed that was planted, and it's kind of like we're just gonna do this, and
0: it makes as much sense as Francisca and Magnus
1: getting together.
2: That's so, like, not important to our
1: storyline, though. No, I'm specifically thinking from Alt-Martha's perspective. She is going through trauma. There's this strange boy. She does feel like she has some sort of connection with him. And in that conversation, she says, I feel like we knew each other from a dream. He just says, sorry. She just asked, was I different in the other world? Yeah. And then he touches her. Which... it. I'm not following that train of thought where she's like, oh, yes, we should kiss now. I agree.
0: But she's so in tune with her other reality, like maybe those feelings just bled through. I feel like it's a combination of that and just shared trauma.
2: I'm not buying into the shared trauma thing here for some reason. But I do. I mean, I could see from Jonas's end it being like, you are so like the girl that I love. (laughs) So therefore, you will do. (laughs) for this moment (laughs) jeez you will do come on
0: give Jonas a little more credit than that
2: I can't in this episode I don't know why
0: huh well after they leave and have their time on the dune we go back (laughs) into the bunker and Noah comes out basically says where was he hiding by the way where is there a hide in the bunker
1: you know the back room (laughs)
0: It just occurred to me as we were talking right this second. So she draws a line between herself and Jonas and then draws the child line down to the infinity symbol, which is almost certainly by this point, the unknown. Like they're giving us everything that the infinity symbol equals the unknown, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And this confirms. So he says... The beginning is the end, and the end is the beginning. We are all born of him. You gave him life, and he will give us ours. Him, Agnes, Trant, Jana, Ulrich, Katarina, you—a line without beginning or end. And so, beyond what we've already seen with Elizabeth and Cater- or Elizabeth and Charlotte being each other's mothers, we now have this much larger family line of Martha gives birth to the man who will end up giving birth to her grandfather.
1: So Jonas is his own great, great, great grandfather.
0: Yes. And (sighs) Martha is her own great grandmother, right? Or is it great, great grandmother? Something like that. And we were right. We speculated a lot about all these families being interconnected and we know for certain that they are now. And because of, Hannah's connection to Egon, we now know that the Tol line is related to the Conwald line, is related to the Nielsen line, and they're all just this one giant genetic mess.
1: Except well, the I guess we have Hanno connection to the Dopplers. To the Dopplers, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't say Dopplers. So those four families are all connected. We thought that. Great.
1: And I feel very excited about my unknown guess.
0: Yeah, you were <laughs> super right. The cleflet lip being a symbol of him being split yeah. between worlds. That was really cool. Cool. Let's talk about the montage, and then we'll talk about the end. So the montage for this episode is the song, The Labyrinth Song, by Asaf Avidan, which I believe we had one other song by this artist earlier. I mm-hmm. might be misremembering. Hmm, I don't know. But it was just essentially... Like, have you watched the show? Here's a song about the show you've watched. <laughs> the name
1: Ariadne coming up again and again.
0: Yeah. And so during this, uh, Jonas and Aunt Martha are doing their thing. Hannah leaves. Egon. Poor Egon. Doris is, like, hugging the yellow dress that Agnes gave her. Oh. And this is when we get the Claudia scene where she drops her nightgown. Ugh. Oh, this would be a good time to finish talking about the, the three who are one also. We never really finished their conversation. So they hold a dude at gunpoint so that he signs a building permit because apparently once it's signed, there's no going back. Yep. And uh, he adds some final bits to the Triketra notebook, and we get confirmation that he is the one who wrote this notebook.
1: Mm. Made me very happy.
0: The final page of the notebook, by the way, reads thusly. The beginning is the end, and the end is the beginning, and I am my only judge, me. Did that sound familiar to either of you?
1: Yes, but I don't know from where. So we
0: get a larger shot of the entire page, and we see a labyrinth with the minotaur in it and alpha and omega, (sighs) the two earths. And that whole last page is part of the monologue that Martha gives as Ariadne in the play. Uh. And now I see that everything is the same. No matter who you are, we all end the same in death. Oh my God. I am my only judge me. There are no gods except for us.
1: To me, I read that as him like, I am left alone to die alone, even though he's with two other versions of himself, and I am my soul judge, me. It just brings to question, like, what's his next step?
0: Yeah, where does he go from here? I mean, we know he doesn't die, at least adult version.
1: Well, True. that was a thought that I had, where, like, what if he just goes up to his younger self and kills him, and then they all three disappear? <laughs> Like oh, that'd be so com- cool. <laughs> yeah, they've completed their purpose.
2: I would love that, actually.
0: <laughs> but that would make no sense. But I, I guess the show is okay with paradoxes.
1: <laughs> the notebook is created. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: It would have to be split timelines, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah,
0: I want to talk a little bit more about that guy. Cool, cool, cool. In the one-on-one. Okay, so really quickly let's talk about Agnes, Adam, and Martha together. So, Adam tells Agnes that she chose the right side. We see him giving her the paper clipping. Which version of Claudia gets this and when do you think?
1: We We don't know because we know that Claudia gives it back to her yeah, earlier,
0: but her younger self. Yeah. So older Agnes gives it to Claudia so that claudia can give it to her younger self her younger agnes i mean
1: yeah so it i don't think it matters when it's just exactly interesting yeah i was wondering if you guys
0: had it handle on it no he says life is a gift for those who know how to use it to hmm. which she responds are you going to tell martha what the origin really is mm. but she doesn't get a response did you guys find this alt martha magnus Interaction as crushing as I did.
1: Yeah. It just seems so telling of how in the dark Magnus and Francisca have been. Yeah.
2: But where's Francisca?
1: Have we seen her at all? Hopefully okay.
2: (laughs) I think she's dead.
0: I'm mute. (laughs) Would Francisca rather be mute or dead? Probably dead.
1: (laughs) She seems more enraged that she's mute than Magnus is that he's dead. (laughs)
0: So he basically is thinking about the past and is like, I wondered for so long why you ditched us. Crazy that it turns out that I ordered you to do it. Like we were part of the group that ordered you to do that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Which again, just the same theme of older versions of a character actively working against younger versions of a character. Future girl hugs Agnes, who we don't know the identity of in their relationship yet. And Adam looks at a picture of the triplets in Martha's inner sanctum and then has a conversation with Martha. And then he takes her to the spot where in the alternate universe they had sex which is real weird. Uh Super weird. (laughs) And says that it all began here. You couldn't tell me this in the nuclear power plant, man? (laughs) And she learns that she is the mother of the three hero one. And again, this is possibly nitpicking, but, and I know that she's in her 1880s clothes, which are very bundly. She is at most five months pregnant before she would show more than she is currently showing. If she is currently pregnant, as Adam seems to imply at the end. So, I'm just wondering how long in time are we between Jonas's story with Alt Martha and Alt Martha as we see her with Adam,
2: yeah,
1: yeah,
0: unless this is not the only time that she and Jonas have sex, I guess
1: mm. although he went to that specific place, so which so seems to imply that it was that, unless they were like
0: yeah. only here. Cool, I wonder if he's telling the truth.
2: No one is.
1: I feel like I'm just mad at everyone. <laughs> just secrets can't trust anyone.
0: It's interesting how they kind of throw us into like we don't get to be an omniscient narrator who knows everything. like we are yeah. another character in the show in that sense,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, Which it's I like. like the opposite of dramatic irony. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Indeed. (laughs) So many characters know so much more than we do. (laughs) Well, that'll about do it for our Lit Takes. Let's move on to Lit 101. And Lit 101 is where we put on our English teacher hats with face shields and six-foot distancing poles on either end. (laughs) And... uh, talk to you about the symbols themes motifs allusions connections to other texts generally all those things that you might have remember from your third period english class and josh tell me about these names you've been thinking about
1: Yeah, so i'm doing it again talking (laughs) about names and the reason why i was so focused on this was at the very beginning of the episode where we have the three who are one triplets the unknown where he's speaking to trant and he He says says, I chose your name I chose your name and he says that I have no name he was given no name I don't know if I believe him yeah but what if it's just something silly just like (laughs) Dan (laughs) Kevin
2: (laughs) (laughs) why is that funny I don't know
1: (laughs) it's just the most American name Adolf (laughs) Um, But I, I think that names have shown to be important in this show. And I find it interesting that names kind of connect to that theme of they are picked by your parents. They are a part of your parents. It's kind of tied up with fate and origin. And...
0: Well, there's also like this sense of knowing something's true name. I've read a lot of Mm -hmm. fantasy, and knowing something's true name gives you power over it in some sense.
1: And and this is kind of tangential, but the idea of like tangential. (laughs) We're coming up with a bunch of different segments of future podcasts. (laughs) Genuine takes tangential. Um, Now. When naming a child, I feel like a lot of people like they, they like pick a name before the child is born and they might change the name where it's just there has to be that connection. But I don't know, I, I feel like names are always important and I feel like a lot of the names have been purposeful. I went through the names, the the first names of the characters that Tommy didn't go over. I don't think. Maybe I, there may be some overlap here and if so. I'm sorry. Um, but I was specifically focusing on Trant because I, the fact that he was like, I chose your name. It was like, hmm, okay, why did you choose that name? And I'll get to that later. Um, so real quick, Helena, Katarina's mom, it comes from Helen of Troy, kind of that. And, and interestingly, it means uh, torch. And specifically, oh. there's I didn't write down the word I should have, but there's a specific occurrence when above a ship, there's a, a light that can kind of blow at the top have you (sighs) heard of this phenomenon but all that seemed to relate to was the idea of travelers the the patron saint it seemed to be connected to that her husband herman just means army man literally herman the name means army man so i i'm guessing he's in the army (laughs) 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 just some real deep analysis there the name egon means edge of the sword. Hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Seems appropriate for, for a police officer. Now, continuing with the Tiedemans, Claudia is the feminine form of Claudius, which means lame or crippled. Which seems strange to me. Yeah. I don't...
0: Maybe we're looking more into this than...
1: Yeah, it might be. And I, and yeah, there's, there's definitely some that are going to be like, nothing, it means nothing, but... Who knows? Uh, Doris means Dorian woman. Greek mythology, Doris was a sea nymph. I didn't find anything there. I don't know. Uh, Moving on to the Conwalds, Daniel is Hebrew for God is my judge. Kind of made me chuckle on the inside since we know how much of a creep he is. Interesting here, Inez is the Spanish form of Agnes. And we already have an Agnes, and we know that Agnes means chaste. It's like the Lamb of God, which, Hmm. again, I think that that's appropriate for this episode um, with her (laughs) interesting beginnings. Now, earlier, I think in a previous episode, I mentioned I couldn't find anything about Hanno, but I did this time. Hanno is short for Johannes, Hmm. and Johannes is just John, basically, and... That means Yahweh is gracious. So I think that both Agnes and Hanno, Johannes, they're just very biblical Bible names. Uh, Burned is short for Bernard, which (laughs) means uh, both bear and hard. So like hard bear, (laughs) (laughs) which he kind of has that persona in this episode. Uh, Greta, the ice queen is short for (laughs) Margaret or Margarita. Uh, which is Greek for pearl, which seems appropriate for her. She's very much like fifties with pearls. I, I feel like she's got that like pristine uh, look. Interestingly, um, Saint Margaret is a patron saint of expectant mothers. Just throwing that out there. Hmm. I think we might have mentioned this, but Helg means holy, oh, and I feel set like apart. yeah, he's he's set apart, and um. I thought this was also interesting. Jana is a feminine form of Jan, which is short for Johannes. So both Jana and Hano are basically male and female forms of the same name of just John, mm. which now leads me to Trant. And the three who are one said, I picked your name on purpose. And I still haven't figured it out, guys. <laughs> I did so much research, but there's nothing. Really? There's not. Yes, I, I, I looked
0: looked it up before you told me that this is what you were doing, and I found something.
2: What? I you going to say after.
0: <laughs> before you said that, I looked it up immediately because he said <laughs> I made your name, and it's like Gaelic for like a small hill, is all I could find.
1: Which is yeah, I I, I did look up that up, and that's not right. Like that was a thing on Reddit, but that's not accurate.
0: I oh, know I looked well maybe it was on Reddit. I saw it on an etymology website, like a name etymology thing.
1: Oh, that's weird because I looked that up too. But interestingly, I was like looking at like Ancestry.com and there mm. are, according to Ancestry.com, two people named Trond. Huh? <laughs> like it's just not a name, really. And I I feel like there's gotta be some more significance. And there may not be, but just the fact that he said, like, I chose your name, it made me feel like there's got to be some reason. And there may not, but hmm. maybe that's just me wanting to be more of that. I did see the Gaelic thing, but I was like, no. <laughs> no, I decided no.
0: that this is not valid.
1: <laughs> it also doesn't make sense for this guy to name his son after a Scottish hill. Like, uh, Sure, I agree. But yeah, names are interesting. And I feel like some of these are very connected to the characters. Others are just names. Hmm. I, the one that trips me up is Claudia. The fact that it means lame or crippled. It seems.
0: Metaphorically me. speaking, I mean, that's kind of setting up her up to be wrong at the end. Missing some important part of herself,
2: ooh, I like that,
0: yeah,
1: maybe
2: for my let one o one there's not anything real specific here. It's merely just like things that caught my attention as we're watching this episode in terms mostly of character development, but I think more than anything, this just leads me to a lot of questions um. The first thing that stood out to me was um, when we see that Alt-Martha is pregnant. Did you guys think back to the stranger's dream? Yes. Okay.
0: With the dark matter coming out? Yes.
2: Because at first, well, it's still confusing to me because when I first thought back to that dream when she was, Martha from Jonas's World was shot. Because I thought she was shot more in her abdomen, but I think you guys said it was more her chest.
0: Yeah, it was a yeah. little higher up.
2: Okay. Um, but then the only thing that perplexes me about her being pregnant now is that the stranger doesn't remember. Yeah. That from his whatever.
0: So would that just be a deja vu moment for the stranger
2: then? I don't know.
0: That does just feed into a larger question of why doesn't the stranger remember any of this?
2: Yes. So that, I guess it's just a perplexing thing, but it did make me recall the dream and wonder what was the significance of that dream? Because it felt so important to me when we watched that episode.
1: Weirdly, I feel like Martha's, she has a dream, Alt-Martha has a dream where she kills someone and she's like washing the blood off of her hands.
0: Well, we don't know if it's just a dream or if it's a memory, right? Yeah. But I feel
1: like, I don't know. This makes no sense, but I feel like she kills Jonas. That makes no sense, but.
0: Mm. I don't know. I agree. That's what my inclination is as well, based on the way that she's talking to Jonas, but it doesn't make sense. No,
1: not at all. I, I, episode five.
2: <laughs> <laughs> They'll make it make sense.
1: Oh, yeah. They'll solve everything. And then
2: <laughs> six, seven, and eight will just be. Pointless.
1: <laughs> Paradise. Three episodes of Paradise.
2: <laughs> and then just two quick, short little other things was when we were talking about Claudia and Ines and Yana in that original scene when they were looking at the magazine, um, part of me was thinking about them as adults and how Inez becomes the woman who basically steals the Nielsen boy and drugs him and <laughs> keeps him <laughs> as her own. And um, Claudia steals Yana's husband and just kind of this impact of taking from the nielsons and kind of holding on to what's not theirs and making these girls seem more terrible to me than, and Yana, this innocent oh, I'm so sorry these things happened to you. And mm-hmm. Katarina kind of falls into that category too. And it's just interesting to watch the Nielsen family be impacted by these other, mainly the Tiedemans and the Conwells, because I don't see the Dopplers posing much of a threat unless I'm forgetting something. And then... The last observation, because I can't not pay attention to color, was...
1: <laughs> <Ooh. I'm over laughs> we got very excited.
2: <laughs> What'd you notice?
0: Uh, I didn't. That's
2: why I
1: I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited to hear what you say.
2: <laughs> I just found it interesting to watch um, Trant in his red scarf as a Nielsen... Nielsen being the red color. But then what Hannah starts in her green robe, which has like dark circles on it. So it's almost kind of like that muddy, weird, gross green from the future that most of our characters are cloaked in. Mm-hmm. But then she transitions to her red coat, which she's in the red coat for her confrontation with Egon to going to Obendorf. And It just made me wonder, I'm like, what is this signaling in terms of, I know she's playing the role of Katerina here in 1954, Mm -hmm. but I feel like Mm. there's a deeper extension to her wearing this outer color of red. And I just saw Hannah's red coat as mm, potentially foreshadowing a connection to the Nielsens, whether it's just her embodying Katerina or something deeper.
1: It's almost like she's wearing the red and then she passes it on Mm -hmm. to Helene. Yeah. It's like, your daughter will be a Nielsen. (laughs) I
2: thought that too. Yeah. That was interesting. (laughs) Cool.
0: So, I don't know. My direction is kind of weird. I was really casting about for Lit 101s. There's a really cool line that the Unknown says when he's talking to the building permit guy. And he says, only a breath separates the here from the hereafter. It actually made me think of a John Donne poem and the movie Wit, where it is really deeply analyzed. And there's a line that a professor says where she talks about the difference between a comma and a semicolon. And she says that a comma is just a breath. Only a breath separates life from life everlasting. And I really wanted to go into that deeply because it's really, really cool, but it's not a threat in the John Donne poem. It's like comforting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this is very much like your next breath could be your last. (laughs) Mm -hmm. More
1: specifically, your breath.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I'll link the thing that I'm talking about in the description uh, from Wit, the movie, which is really, really good. But I kind of wanted to unpack why I was so scared of the unknown as a little boy. And this is a common trope in horror movies. I'm sure that you guys could name scary little children in movies. Off the top of your head, without even having watched a ton, like can you name a, a creepy little boy in a movie or girl?
1: I was thinking of the Shining twins.
0: Shining twins, Danny, even.
1: Yeah,
2: that's true. I, I'm just thinking of a doll and Chucky, so that's not really applicable. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, but same same sort of idea. You have uh, Children of the Corn. The village of the damned is another kind of classic horror movie with children. You have that episode of the twilight zone where the little boy has like magic superpowers where he can just imagine whatever he wants. And it happens in the real world. And it's just this common trope of why we find children scary and (laughs) what can make them scary. And a lot of it has to do with perceived innocence. So we see children as in a large way, Unsullied by the reality of life. And so they can't feel any of the big negative scary things that humans feel because they're just children. And the perversion of that in particular is scary. And I just think about when we see this little boy, he is so gleefully excited watching the adult version of himself commit these horrific murders by strangulation I think that's a big part of it is seeing him excited about his own future, where it is like brutal murder that specifically, like he's watching, waiting, hoping for when it's going to be him. Uh, And not even just the murder, like when he's manipulating Doris, the way that he's standing and looking and watching in the church as his older self kind of manipulates her and breaks her down emotionally, emotionally strangles her, if you will. (laughs) I think, Additionally, so beyond kind of these more broad, why do we find creepy children creepy tropes, I wanted to think about it more in terms of this show in particular. And something that's come up a lot, possibly because I knew that I wanted to talk about this, is how much older versions of a character constantly work against their younger self. We've brought that up a lot. This is the only one we've seen where they are actively working together. Yeah. And it's bad, though. It's super not good. And there's this perversion of knowing the story of your whole life from beginning to end the moment you are alive. So this little boy knows that he will become the adult version of himself, will become the old man version of himself. And they are all so complicit in this knowledge not wanting to change it and just moving along with it. They are the only it's it, it's just such an aberration even within the show that I think is adding so much to the creepiness of this character beyond even, you know, the obvious things that make him creepy like committing horrific murder. And that's just kind of what I wanted to unpack a little bit and I'm just trying to understand thematically speaking what that means for the show. Hmm.
1: So I have a, 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 like an addendum to that because I I talk about this in my class where you will have a creepy moment where you see the empty playground and it's like all dark. And then you hear like ring around the rose. And like, I asked my students like, why is that uncomfortable to you? Why is that creepy? And we come to the conclusion that it is a song out of time. It is a song that is in the wrong place. It is disjointed. It is in the wrong context. Hmm. And so in the same way, these three who are one, it is uncomfortable to see them because they are so out of context, <laughs> hmm. because they're together. It's, it's wrong. Yeah. And it makes us uncomfortable. And hmm.
0: in a way that the incest never did. no you're right that's a really interesting look at it i think there are two ways to look at it either a you can interpret it as every stage of your life is antagonistic toward every other stage of your life in a sense that it almost kind of evokes self-hatred Right where you should hate yourself, hate past versions of yourself, work against past versions of yourself, ignore the pain of past versions of yourself so you can move on. I think that's a more negative interpretation of this. Or you can look at it positively in the sense that maybe we find the unknown creepy because his goals, he doesn't have an arc, right? His goals don't change from childhood to adulthood to old manhood. Mm. Like, it's natural expected good for these character arcs to happen for growth to happen growth that we've seen in characters even that have, have happened within one version of themselves. So even Hannah, we've talked a lot about how she has grown and changed even within the story of the show, even just her adult version, not even to speak of young version to adult version. And so seeing a completely aligned young boy adult man, and then old man, all perfectly aligned, I think we recognize that as unnatural because we expect as humans growth. In our stories, we always look for arcs to be interesting and to see growth and change in a character. Not all the time, but for the best stories, the ones that stick with you the most, you're looking for character change. And I think that that might be another subconscious reason why we find this character so unsettling because he doesn't experience any of that.
1: Well, in all of our other characters, they at least feel that they have agency and they are trying to work against work towards their, they have goals and he, because he's completely aligned, there is no room like And I'm not sure, and it seems like he's a complete pawn of Eva, but he's even more so a pawn than anyone else because he's completely bought in from birth to death. Hmm. It
0: just makes me think that he's a lot like Helg in that sense.
1: In a way, but Helg didn't want to be a part. Right. And he wasn't fully aware. And he wasn't actively yeah killing. different
2: different different
0: I just
1: mean in the but, sense yeah. that he's being used oh yeah 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 maybe so uh,
0: yeah anyway that's that's just kind of what I wanted to think about and why I wanted to unpack there's obvious reasons why he is an unsettling character, but I kind of wanted to see if there's more behind that and then try to connect that to a theme that is developing as the show reaches its end cool cool cool. Well, that about does it for, oh, I hear the school bell. Let's move on to our (laughs) final segment, (laughs) Still in the Dark. And this is where we talk about any lingering questions that are still agonizingly out of our reach. By the end of the episode, we talk about a lot of questions. Are there any that we haven't talked about that you guys want to highlight?
1: Yeah, a couple. I'm just real curious about this unknown I've already mentioned this. I'm wondering what his next step is. And to be honest, now I'm thinking about it. Is he truly just a pawn of Eva or just the fact that he is making this notebook makes me question where, what is he doing with that notebook next? Because we know that it eventually gets into the hand of Adam and Noah and Claudia. Mm -hmm. But that is kind of what I'm wondering. Is he just setting everything up? To what aim? But...
0: Yeah, what does he want and why?
2: Yeah. I guess on a smaller level, I'm thinking about Claudia in this episode and just her fingerprints on what and how and a role that she's played behind both of these worlds and these uh, key figures. I'm also wondering... Where is Hannah going?
0: Yeah. Because I care. Another question.
2: (laughs) She saw us in Time Machine, right? Yeah. Yeah, she does. So,
0: yeah, good questions. I guess maybe to the future. Maybe. I mean, whatever. 33 years at the very We know that. For me, I just want to know a little bit more about adult Alt-Martha and, like, what is she doing in the apocalypse? What is her relationship with Noah? Mm -hmm. Are they working together? Is she working for him? Is his story similar to his alternate story?
1: Another question, and this may be lies because people are lying all the time, (laughs) but I believe it was Alt-Martha who mentioned that the apocalypse happens On November 7th, I believe, when the barrels are opened. Yeah. Yeah. But the barrels have been moved.
0: Well, Adult Alt says the barrels trigger the apocalypse. You have to stop them from being opened.
1: But I believe in episode 301, didn't we see uh, Obendorf moving the barrels? Yeah,
0: but in the same way that they were moved in our reality.
2: Our. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But... but (laughs) I I, I do like that distinction (laughs) but the well I'm assuming that the apocalypse happens at the plant again but they've been moved away from the plant and I don't think that in the next two days they're coming back and being buried
2: who knows it's possible that's
0: about how quick it turned around in our reality
2: (laughs) stop saying our reality it's
0: ours
1: it's our (laughs) reality no I thought it was much longer I did not think so. I thought it was June of two thousand twenty. I might be wrong.
2: That
0: they were
1: moved back. Maybe you're right.
0: Hey, Alt Clausen, yeah, what's going on with Alt Clausen? I hope we get in all seriousness. I hope we get more maybe information about what's going hard. on with Clausen. And was it the th- the unknown who gave him that letter, or what's going on? Oh yeah, maybe his brother. No, because no, Alexander exists. Hmm. So his brother must have disappeared. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, so much for listening. We are getting closer and closer to the end as we see you next time for season three, episode five, Life and Death, Separated by Only a Breath. Will Adam just be a puddle of melted flesh by the end of the season? If the triplets played rock, paper, scissors, who would win? (laughs) Why doesn't any character seem to like time-shifted versions of themselves? Find out next time on Lit After Dark. And remember, keep it lit. If you like this podcast, please give us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We may be reading some more reviews out in the future. If you'd like, you can email us at litafterdarkpod at gmail.com with questions or comments. That's L-I-T-A-F-T-E-R-D-A-R-K pod at gmail.com. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at litafterdarkpod. Thank you to Luke Van for our theme song. You can follow his work on YouTube. That's Luke Van with two N's.
1: Ratatouille? What is it? Ego.
0: Say that word again.
1: Ratatouille?
0: Why do you say it like that?
1: <laughs> like what?
0: Ratatouille. ratatouille. Ratatouille? Ratatouille? It's ratatouille. We're all American.
1: Ratatouille? Yeah, that, that sounds gross. <laughs> ratatouille. I'm eating some ratatouille.
0: This is like when you wouldn't allow us to say Mikkel and you have to say Mikkel.
2: I know. I didn't ever think of Josh as the pretentious one, but you have really come out in this podcasting (laughs) as that person. Thanks
0: for taking some heat off of me, Josh. (laughs) I appreciate
1: that. (laughs) I'm sure there's some good stuff that you could use there.